Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, I have Rahul here from Stamford, Connecticut, and Alex from Waterville, Maine. Guys, this is going to be an exciting episode as we're going to cover all things Champions League today. So I'll start with you, Rahul, how are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm excited for this episode in the upcoming week. It's going to be exciting for sure. Alex, I hope you're excited as well. Absolutely. A lot of people are nervous, but I'm choosing to uh, channel that into excitement. So we'll see how well that works out for me. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully, because you're usually the one that's the most confident on this podcast. So I always appreciate that. Raul, you want to get us kicked off today? Yeah. So before we get into the upcoming Champions League final, I figured the three of us could just talk about the last one in 2012 and just share... Uh, how we felt about that game going in and, you know, just the emotions and reactions throughout that game. And obviously then when we finally won it, how we felt. So Alex, we'll start with you. Um, I believe you were pretty young when this happened, but I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I, I remember that was right around the time I was even getting into the sport. Um, and obviously there wasn't even a I didn't have a a family team to follow or anything. I'd grown up purely in the U S. But I remember just randomly selecting Didier Drogba as my favorite player and deciding, you know, whatever team he plays for, I'm going to support. So I supported Chelsea. I squeezed myself into my 2012 uh, Didier Drogba kit from back when I would have been 11 years old, 10, 11. Um, And I just, I just remember, you know, there was no better night for a Drogba fan than that. <laughs> and I, as evidenced by my background here, um, between the the header, the penalty, um, honorable mention, of course, to Petr Cech for saving Drogba from a little bit of embarrassment in between those two events. But um, yeah, just what a time. And young as I was, I, I still look back on it every time. And, and it feels like brand new emotions every time I watch those videos over. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. It's uh, you. Well, we're thankful for Drogba for bringing you to Chelsea. Uh, apart from the champions, he delivered Paulo Dybala. Uh, yeah. But jokes jokes aside, um, that that day, I mean, Jackie and I watched it together, and we went into it so nervous. It had been long time in the making. Uh, 2008 was very hard to take. I, I remember I cried after that final, uh, and so to go into this final, obviously the expectations that were on us and on the team. And then to go that first goal down was was heartbreaking. Jackie, what were your thoughts on it? First off, I'm going to say I don't want to give away our age here, Rahul, with Alex saying he was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but he watched that final. No, we weren't that we weren't that old or young either. We were 19 or 20, I believe, last like one of our last years of college, and it was a fun time, I must say, because while we were super super nervous, we were definitely excited. I remember that we had booked out that room, like we've got a big big television bunch of fans in there lots of different fans from different clubs and that was a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth but other than that I mean it was going to be an exciting night no matter what happened and I just remember sweating in the cold room for 85 90 minutes just sweating nonstop. and when that Drogba goal goes in I mean you just lose a sense of where you are how you're feeling it's just relief euphoria I mean I can't describe it any other way than we're back in this so that was definitely incredible. And of course, you go on to win it on penalties. And when Drogba strokes in that last touch of the ball, it's almost like it was fate because he starts curling away to celebrate as it's seen in Alex's picture right there because he knows 
we've just won the Champions League final. Yeah, I'm glad Alex has that background up because it it just brings back so many fond memories. And you you saw when Drogba put it in and he starts celebrating. He himself actually hasn't like realized what had just happened. And he just runs over to check and they're like yelling at each other. And then obviously the rest of the squad is going crazy. But yeah, it's, it was a very exciting time. And um, coming to this final this weekend, I don't think at the start of the season, anyone expected us to be here. No, I don't. I Honestly, I don't even think like if you'd asked me this probably like two, three months ago, we'd expect to be here. Even when Tuchel took over, it was damage control, right, guys? I think we were going to try and just get to top four, stabilize the ship, and then regroup and come back next season. But we made it to two finals, and now we're going to play the Champions League final nine years later. I mean, again, it's the same feeling that we had in 2012 where I have the nerves. I'm a little bit worried, but at the same time, it's one of those things where I'm just so proud of Chelsea and this club and this group of players. And of course, Tuchel deserves big credit for that. And hopefully we can just get to celebrate it together. Yeah, we, I mean, and you say celebrate together. I think um, this is a good point to let our listeners know and I let our followers know that the three of us most likely will be getting together. Uh, it all depends on Jackie's flight, but please pray for us. And uh, that will be on Saturday, the three of us coming together to watch it and and celebrate, hopefully. Uh, but Alex, your thoughts on this final? And you kind of at the age that Jackie and I were back in 2012. So a whole different experience for you this time around. Yeah, there you go. It's really come full circle, I guess. Um, and and now, uh, honestly, uh, maybe obviously, I'm, I'm sort of infinitely more uh, experienced in terms of actually appreciating the game, the club, the players before I just thought it was an amazing moment. But um, right now, sort of having seen the full progression of, of my, my career, so to speak, as a Chelsea fan. Um, I mean, just sort of seeing how the team is built every year under new managers, how, how different generations have slowly been fading away, how we phased in new youth players um, and sort of every manager has laid different foundations. And then here we are um, with arguably the next generation of, of Chelsea superstars breaking through um, and we're here on the biggest stage yet again. So I, I cannot think of a, a, a more exciting way to usher in this sort of new era of Chelsea um, than with a triumph on Saturday. Yeah, and it will definitely be a good platform for our younger players to experience and, and play a team in Man City that are very, very good. Um, and we go into this game as underdogs, but usually that is beneficial to us. So We'll, we'll jump into the analysis and everything in, in about a couple of minutes here. But before we do that, I have a quiz for the two of you uh, just to celebrate this occasion and the history between these two clubs. So uh, nothing else you win but bragging rights, but those are pretty important on this podcast. So uh, we'll start with you, Alex. And in some cases, I'll give you a couple of options. In some cases, there'll be more than two. So um, you can pick the right answer and then we can bounce it off to Jackie so first question for you here Alex is uh, who scored our only goal in our 3-1 Premier League defeat to City earlier this season so, oh <laughs> wow first, that's really pulling off the past here I'll give, yeah I'll give you a couple of options okay okay that hopefully that'll ring a bell for you so the first option I have here is Christian Pulisic uh-huh the second option I have is Tammy Abraham and the last one is Callum Hudson-Odoi. 
Oof. I don't know what's, wow. I would have thought I was expecting questions from the past. This is like recent past. This is, <laughs> wow. Um, I think maybe I've been focusing on those, our, our recent record against City, which is is two W's in a row. But <laughs> yes, this is um, a little bit before that. I believe it was Hudson Adoy, if I remember correctly. That is absolutely right. It was Hudson Adoy in the 92nd minute. I was going to say it was a late goal. Uh, and it, it was cross, it was a cross in, right? That he, that he yep. tapped in, I believe. Yep. And everyone after that was like, why didn't he play this game? And he could yeah. have made the difference. But at that day, City were just on it and were brilliant. They dragged us all over around with their false nine. So uh, you're right. Hudson Adoy is the right answer. Jackie, are you ready, my friend? As long as you give me some options, I'll be very happy. <laughs> yes, that that is referring to the first time I hosted the quiz. I forgot to give Jackie the options, so I will remember. Um, we played City in the Carabao Cup final in 2019. It was it became the infamous Kepa incident and everything that went after. But we ended up losing that game as well, and we lost on penalties 4-3. Who missed our two penalties? So I'll give you a couple, just two options in this case. Okay. Was it Jorginho and David Luiz or Jorginho and Hazard? That's a tough one. I honestly <laughs> can't remember. The biggest thing of that night I remember was Kepa having a big argument with Sorry, I can't remember exactly what happened after the fact. But it's always interesting because you've thrown Jorginho's name in there. And I don't expect him to miss penalties very often, especially that season. But I'm going to go with Jorginho and david louise so that cut out just a second but let me make sure i heard you right you said Jorginho and david louise that's correct that is the right answer so Jorginho. Uh, i was Jorginho. gonna say <laughs> Jorginho, i was ready to steal you are, alex knew this wow <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jorginho missed the first one, and then David, David Luiz stepped up and missed the fourth one, and that put us under pressure, and we went on and lost that game. So it's all tied Hazard here. Hazard had the Panenka, right? Was that the game Hazard had the Panenka uh, penalty? I believe so, yeah. I'm pretty sure he, I'm pretty sure he chipped Ederson really calmly, even <laughs> though he, was, he had to make it on, at that point, and everyone was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that typical Eden Hazard. <laughs> exactly. So going from one Belgian player, Alex, to another, here's your second question. Kevin De Bruyne, formerly of Chelsea, joined Manchester City in 2015 from Wolfsburg. How much did City pay for him? And I have two options for you here. 30 million or 54 million? And the hint for you here is that at that point, this was City's club record. Fee. It was still, I think, 30 million. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it's my final answer. I don't know if you try to trick me here. No, no, I'm, I'm just making sure. Um, <laughs> Go for it. No, it was actually 54 million. I, oh, wow. You threw me in for a loop by, by giving me a clue that was an actual clue. Oh, um, wow. That's, I mean, he wasn't, I'm trying to think. That's, that's actually impressive, honestly. And what year was that? Do you, 2015. 2015. Okay, 2015. Yeah, I should have known that one, but oh, no, it's okay. but, but I mean, a steal in, in this current market for Kevin De Bruyne, 54 million. I think a lot of teams would throw that money at him right now. Absolutely. Um, 
All right, Jackie, similar question for you, but a little bit back in history. So in 2005, about 10 years prior to the De Bruyne incident, Sean Wright Phillips moved from Manchester City to Chelsea. And how much did Chelsea pay for him? So I have a couple of options for you as well. 15 million or 21 million? He paid 21 million for Sean Wright Phillips. I remember this one very clearly. And do you want to tell us why? <laughs> it was it was one of those seasons where we were chasing all the incredible talent and Sean Wright Phillips was up there and 21 million back in 2005 was quite a number. And I remember wanting him to succeed ever so greatly. And obviously it didn't go to plan and he didn't have the greatest Chelsea career, but he definitely chipped in with some amazing appearances. And 21 million is right. So you, you did get that one correct. I'm so overestimating this... inflation here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we sit at 2-1 to Jackie. Uh, Alex, your next question I have here is, so in this season's Champions League, this player is Chelsea's highest goal scorer. And I'll give you a hint. He scored six goals in total. The first option is Olivier Giroud. And the second option is Tammy Abraham. Hey. <laughs> confidence yes and it, it is Olivier Giroud there and, you go and those six goals four of those came against uh Sevilla in that one game yep and then he's got his what his bicycle kick as well so exactly so uh hopefully we'll get to see him and maybe he'll add to that tally this this Saturday all right so it's 2-2 but Jackie you have one question uh, so it's similar to this, but on the City side. So a little bit tougher. Who is City's top goal scorer in the Champions League this season? Is it Kunaguero or is it Riyad Mahrez? Mahrez. That is correct. Mahrez has four goals and he got them through that PSG tie. So we now sit at 3-2 to Jackie. Final question for you, Alex, and uh, I'm hoping you can tie this up. So Earlier this season, Phil Foden did an interview with, I believe it was FIFA 21 launch or something. Um, and they asked him who was his toughest opponent he's faced. And he named this Chelsea player. So I'll give you four options. It's, is it Thiago Silva, Antonio Rudiger, Mason Mount, or Angolo Conte? Hmm. I feel like I'd heard of this, but I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I can give you a hint. Uh, it's. I feel like Mason Mount is natural, but it's not that one because he wouldn't directly battle him during the right. game. I was going to say, you would think Tiago Silva, just judging on the fact that he's a, a class player, but I think it was N'Golo Conte is my guess. And that is correct. He said N'Golo Conte is literally everywhere on the pitch. You think you've gotten away from him yeah. and he shows up, so... Golo Conte is the right answer. All right, Jackie. Nice process of elimination. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, so this question for you, similar. Joao Cancelo, the Man City fullback, uh, said this Chelsea player was the toughest winger he's faced at his time in the Premier League or in England. So the first option here is Hudson-Odoi, Eden Hazard, William, or Christian Pulisic. That's a tough one. I can't remember exactly when Yao Cancelo joined Manchester City. It's been, it's been that... a few seasons, so he's definitely played against yeah. all of those. 
Yeah, but I'm going to say it's between Hazard and Willian, and I'm trying to decide which one it would be. Um, I'm going to go with Willian for this one. My yeah. game face was impeccable there. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Alex knew this one. That's why I didn't give it to him. But it is Christian Pulisic. So we're wow, all... I did not know that. Yeah, That's cool. he said him and his other teammates, Joao Cancelo and his teammates, talk about it. And they've said Pulisic is definitely the trickiest winger and the paciest winger they face. So uh, William wasn't the right answer. And so we sit at 3-3. And I now have a tiebreaker. Um, so I'll, I'll read it to both of you. And you can give me the answer, whoever knows it. So this player was part of Chelsea's 2012 Champions, win- Champions League winning squad. But he has also played for Manchester City and Liverpool. So the options here are Joe Cole, Wayne Bridge, Raul Mireles, or Daniel Sturridge. It's got to be Daniel Sturridge. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, <laughs> is that are you answering it or no? <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think it's. I guess I Alex, like you've got to pick an answer. Buzzer. I mean, I was, well, I was, no, if you, if you hit the buzzer first, that's, that's you, that's you. <laughs> well, I'll, I can wait for your answer, Alex, and then we can decide this once and for all. Deliberate. <laughs> I mean, I was, until you said Sturridge, I was going to say Morales, but that doesn't, I don't think he played for Manchester. I don't remember him playing for Manchester City, so I've got no clue. Okay, then I am going to go with Jackie's answer, Daniel Sturridge, and that is correct. Yeah, I concede. I figured you had the speed on me as well. <laughs> so Jackie wins this 4-3, just like Man City won the Caraba Cup final. Um, <laughs> and hopefully that's not the case this weekend. But that's the quiz I had, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I kind of put it together, um, you know, trying to avoid some of the recent history, like Alex, you were saying, but got some uh, overall history between the two clubs in there no that was good thanks all right so let's move on to the final this weekend guys and um this is our third final for chelsea first one was in 2008 then 2012 which we've spoken about we won that and then 2021 this year it's city's first final ever and so i'm sure they're going through similar kind of um, nervousness and 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 uh, you know just overall um, preparations for this final in terms of not having this experience in the past as a club, uh, but it's something that they brought Pep in for. So if he wins this, then I think he's achieved everything he came to achieve at City. Um, the final was in Istanbul, but it was relocated to Porto due to COVID restrictions, uh, and I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but there was a lot of talk about why it was moved and why it wasn't in England. Uh, And it came down to UEFA saying their sponsors and their uh, key executives couldn't come to England without getting uh, COVID testing and all the the quarantine protocols. So uh, they moved it to Porto, which seemed a little bit easier. Uh, There will be fans in the stadium. So I'll bring you guys into this uh, for the the fans piece. Uh, About 5,800 Chelsea fans and a similar amount for City. So uh, just having fans back overall in a big final like this will definitely be beneficial. But Jackie, do you think it favors one side over the other? 
I don't necessarily think that. I know that it's a pretty big stadium, 50-odd thousand. It can fit Estadio Di Drago, I believe, is where the game is being played. And in this particular point of the season, I think when you're in the final, you've got 5,800, give or take, fans per side. It's going to be quite noisy in there. It's just a matter of of which sets of fans are going to make the most noise. And one interesting fact I read actually this morning, I don't know how true this is or not, is Manchester City's owners are supposedly subsidizing travel for their fans, which is actually a very, very nice gesture given the long, long year we've had. And the fact that these fans actually are fortunate enough to make it out there and support their team, I thought that was incredible. But as far as one side having a benefit over the other, no, it's just who's going to scream louder on the day. And I definitely hope we're going to hear the Chelsea fans' voices. Yeah, it's going to be much better, I think, than it would having zero fans for a final, even if it's not anywhere near full capacity. I think we've all seen... Um, with them just starting to allow fans back in, how much of a difference it makes to the players, especially. Um, But also just even watching on the TV, it's so clear um, just what a difference it can have on, on the outcome of a game. Even I would, I would venture to say, so we'll see, uh, we'll see if it has any serious impact on, on this final, but I agree, uh, Jackie, that it's not going to be, it's not going to be the deciding factor. Um, and it is going to come down to, uh, I personally think it's just going to come down to who performs on the pitch because both sets of fans will be very excited to be there and backing their teams all the way. And one thing I want to touch on, I know it doesn't really jump into the fans topic, Rahul, that you asked us, but regarding the fact that how Man City may be nervous for this, I don't think that's a case, guys. I really don't think Manchester City, given the quality of player, the level of player and the coach and the management staff that they have will be nervous. And maybe I don't want to throw the bombshell so early in the episode, but I've heard many comments from Kun Aguero saying he was not going to leave Manchester City till he won the Champions League with them. And as we all know, he is leaving Manchester City at the end of the season. So <laughs> how true he stays to his word after this, it's, it remains to be seen. Yeah, maybe that's a, a, a slightly negative version of all the, the Chelsea luck we've seen piling towards this, this Champions League final. I know... Rahul, you've been enjoying posting on the Premier Chelsea account, um, and we've seen all over Chelsea social media these comparisons between uh, 2012 and 2021, one of which actually fulfilled itself today in the Europa League final uh, with Villarreal beating Manchester United. I think it was 11-10 on penalties in a shootout. Um, Unbelievable. But in 2012, a Spanish team won the Europa League, so... Yet another notch for Chelsea, but that that Aguero quote is honestly scary because that would be quite the classic way to seal his legacy. It, it definitely will be, and and that's something that you know worries me a little bit because they've been giving him a send off at the Etihad the other day, and they're all rallied around him, and they realize what a legend he is. So, uh, Jackie, you're absolutely right. They've definitely will come together and say, "Let's win it for Aguero." Uh, but coming back to the point that Alex was talking about between the parallels between 2012 and 2021, um, I just finally posted our final Mr. Bean uh, picture today because I don't think we'll have many other opportunities between now and, and Saturday. So I had to. Um, but one good thing in Chelsea's favor, guys, is we will be wearing our current home kit and not next season's home kit. So uh, I don't know if that's 
got anything to do with it, but we did wear the new home kits, next season's home kits in the FA Cup final, and we know how that went. Uh, so hopefully we'll get some luck from from this season's kit. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was going to say that clearly that was not a lucky omen, perhaps, given the failures of both our men's and women's team uh, while wearing that uh, new outfit. Um, but at this point, there is one uh, little plug we'd like to add. Um, someone on Instagram, I don't know if you've seen, we've posted a bit, I have, about him on Polisic FC 22. Uh, Scorf, S-C-O-R-P-H dot X, has designed an interesting Chelsea and Gucci kit uh, mashup uh, concept um, where he puts luxury fashion brands together with Premier League teams. Um, and so all three of us uh, hosts, we have ours on the way and we've managed to get a discount for you guys listening. Um, so for any of our listeners who would be interested in this Chelsea Gucci concept kit, um, He's actually turned them into a real shirt, which is being sold on his website. Um, so if you go to his website, which is scorfxshop.com, um, you can see that in the bio. Uh, I've got a few posts up with that as well on FC 22 on Instagram. Um, but there's a code that I'll read out here. It's a little bit long. And you can type this code into your checkout if you want a discount. So the code to get a discount on the Chelsea Gucci kit is CMB04H6RBKRS. And if you put that in, you should get a nice discount. Uh, if you'd like to get this, this interesting piece of Chelsea fashion apparel. Um, but yeah, that, that little uh, plug aside, I think I, I, I like the fact that City won't have an advantage going in with our unlucky kit. This is this is even footing everyone in their home strip. We'll see how it goes. And just to pile on that, Alex, if Chelsea wore the Gucci kit, maybe we'd win the Champions League in style. <laughs> that would be very lucky. <laughs> no, but definitely it's a wonderful kit. Definitely something exciting. Great to see Chelsea fans incorporating their ideas behind different things. But I'm not a superstitious guy by any means, so... Whether this kit is going to help or not help as far as we've lost an FA Cup final or not, I can't speak to that. I'm not the biggest fan of the new kit, but hey, if we had won an FA Cup final, I'd be speaking completely different terms to it. So, no, it's going to be good. I think the kit doesn't matter at the end of the day, at least in my opinion. I think, long story short, we have to show up and play on the day. And that's really what it's going to come down to. Yeah, you're right. I think regardless of what we wear, we've got to perform. And we've got to be ready for this game like we were for that Leicester City game at home. I think that is the best I've seen of Chelsea recently. Um, but going into just kind of the road to the final for both teams, so I'll just start with City real quick. Uh, they were in the group stages with Marseille, Olympiacos, and Porto. So they have actually played in Porto this season. Uh, they ended up tying that game with Porto in, in the uh, stadio. Uh, Jackie was Dragao, was a bad Estadio de Drago. I think it means Dragon Stadium in English. There you go. I always rely on you to get the pronunciations right. <laughs> uh, so they did tie their nil-nil against Porto, uh, which could be good or bad. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, and then they went into the round of 16 and played Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, they won that both legs 2-0, went to the quarterfinals, played er Erling Haaland's Borussia Dortmund, and won both legs there 2-1 and then faced PSG in the semifinals. And 
I think that was their biggest and toughest test in terms of playing a, a top quality opposition players like Neymar and Mbappe, but they did overcome that as well. And so that's what's brought them to the final. And for Chelsea, we started the group stages under our dear Frank Lampard, uh, drew our first game at home against Sevilla nil-nil, uh, and then had some very impressive uh, wins in the group stages, one of them being that 4-0 win in which Giroud scored all his four goals. Uh, in the round of 16, now under Tuchel, we played Atletico Madrid. In the quarterfinals, we played Porto as well. We didn't get the opportunity to play Porto in Porto, but regardless, we overcame them. And then in the semifinals, we played Real Madrid. Uh, and then here we are in the finals again against Manchester City. So uh, we've had a pretty good run to the final, guys. Jackie, what are your thoughts on our run and just overall how this Champions League season has gone for Chelsea? I think overall, Rob, I think we've actually had a very good run to the final. In fact, I think we've probably had one of our more confident runs towards the end of a season final than we've had in a very, very long time. If you look back at the 2012 win that we had, it was very nerve-wracking all the way through. I think for this particular asset of the group stages, we dealt with Atletico Madrid very well. We dealt with uh, Porto very well. I mean, we did a good job of managing and doing game management and actually not letting some of these teams make us feel afraid. And to City's credit, I must be honest, I think they were like a machine. They were going through PSG and other teams without any fear as well. So it definitely makes to show that it's going to be a very, very competitive final. But on fairness, it also makes to show that probably the two best teams in the Champions League have made it to the final, which is going to make for an awesome final. And I'm definitely excited to watch it. Yeah, I am too. Alex, your thoughts on our run uh, under two different managers? And we've got to be honest, Lampard didn't really do a bad job at the group stages. He set us up for uh, what was to come in the latter stages under Tuchel. But uh, just want to get your thoughts on how it's gone for us so far. Yeah, I think starting with the group stages, there were no complaints, really. And as as you guys have said, there weren't maybe the preseason expectations that we were going to go too far. But we got the job done as one did. And I know people were saying um, rival fans were saying we had a relatively easy group, which we, we definitely did not have the toughest group of certainly of the champions league. Um, The other teams were all capable of playing well, um, but maybe I would say it was those, those knockout games that made us start to actually believe, Hey, we could go somewhere in this tournament. Um, And I think in that sense, maybe Atletico Madrid being currently being La Liga's champions uh, this year, that gives a lot of confidence, I'm sure, to the squad, uh, to the Chelsea players, to the fans, um, and even, even to the manager. So I think that really set the tone for it. And then if you've beat the La Liga champions, um, Real Madrid don't seem that scary anymore. Um, Porto put up a good fight, but we weren't scared of them. So I think, I think really both of these teams come without fear. Um, and in a sense... In a sense, I think both of them almost have an equal claim to come out and just take this game by the scruff of the neck and put in a great performance. I think you could see either side really turn up at their brilliant best. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, both teams come into this and know it's 90 minutes or 180 minutes, whatever you want to say, 120 minutes, I beg your pardon. And then it's 
that's it. That's the game. So if they come out and play and do whatever they need to to win, like we saw today, you mentioned the Europa League final, Villarreal did what they had to and take it to penalties. And then at that point, it's anybody's game. So you're absolutely right. Um, we got to talk about the referee for this game real quick, Antonio Mateo Lajos. Uh, the reason we have to bring him up is because of his history with Pep Guardiola. And I know, Jackie, you said, well, he's only sent him off one time. Uh, but he has also awarded a couple of penalties against Man City and Pep Guardiola. And so uh, this uh, week, actually, in the press conference, Pep was asked about him and he said, I couldn't care less. I am very confident in my team. So uh, let's start with you, Jackie. Your thoughts on the history between the referees. Usually we talk about Chelsea and referees, but in this case, we're talking about City. Uh, So just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm in Pep's side over here. I don't think he could care less, and I don't think it's going to have a big bearing on the game. Now, if it does, and he does go against City, (laughs) I'm not against that. I'm actually pretty happy that's going to go that way. But no, in all honesty, I think... Sometimes we as fans look for things that would help us or make meaning to something. And I think journalists can do that as well because it's part of selling the commentary and seeing a reaction that comes out of Pep Guardiola. And I think that's all it was. I think Pep handled it really well. I think he praised his team really well, saying it doesn't matter who the referee is, doesn't matter who we're playing, we're here to win. And that's a little bit scary to say out loud as a Chelsea fan, but it's the truth of the matter is He doesn't care and he has a right to not care because his team are just that good. I mean, we've seen it this season. We're talking about the Premier League and we've done many, many episodes now about the Premier League where Rahul, you and I have come on here and said City are shaky. And then lo and behold, they run away with the Premier League. And Alex, you've seen them perform game after game after game. In fact, in the last six months, they've become a machine. Again, things that are all making me nervous, but the same way that Pep has confidence in his team, I would love to believe that Tuchel and we as fans have belief in our team. We're not a team of players that showed up yesterday and have come together. Yes, we have some youth, but we do have some experience. And the youth that we do have are very, very talented individuals. So it's just getting together, coming together at night. And look, you just got to enjoy the night. How often do you get to be in a Champions League final? There's some teams that do get to be, but Chelsea have not been there nine years. So you've got to make the most of this opportunity. Yeah, I think Werner came out with a quote saying this is the biggest game in club football and myself and my teammates are ready. Um, I think for everyone, especially as you've said, these young Chelsea players, it's the ideal, you know, proving ground. This is the biggest stage. Um, If they make an impact here, they've absolutely made their case as realistically world-class players, some of these guys. I mean, I think if Mason Mount puts in a man of the match performance on Saturday, you start talking about him as a world-class player, um, even at his young age, just for what he's achieved throughout the season and then stepping up when the pressure's highest. So I think it's got a lot at stake. And as to the referee, I having looked up a picture of him, we, we've got quite the questionable history with bald referees, and he seems to be almost exactly half bald. Um, an intriguing hairline that goes essentially right over uh, the center of his head uh, from ear to ear, perhaps. So in contrast with Jackie not reading into things, if we're going to analyze from a uh, hair retention point of view, our proposed performance in this uh, final, I would say we're probably going to have a relatively even game. Uh, Some calls against us, some calls for us. 
I love that you made that comparison. I think that's awesome. It's it's great to do this podcast with you guys because we see different perspectives and how I'm saying certain things don't matter. I love that it matters to you because I can definitely see where things would help in this case where he has a little bit of a hair. So he's going to be kind of a neutral referee. <laughs> yeah. My different perspective. Very, very helpful. For sure. That was actually a good segue for what I was going to say, Alex, is he's actually refereed two Chelsea games uh, from what I've seen. And they were both in Porto against Porto. And the most recent one was in 2015, where we lost 2-1. So uh, like you're both saying, yes, he has a history with Pep, but he also has a very small history with Chelsea that hasn't been very favorable. So something for us to keep an eye out for. And you guys are right. It's one of those things where, for Chelsea at least, we've gone a full season without a trophy. It comes down to this game. And it's like, guys, if we don't win this, this season really isn't one to remember, but if we win this, we automatically just elevate ourselves to the next level in terms of we've had a legendary season. We ended it with the European trophy. So yeah, I, I pray that everyone is ready in that squad and, and Tuchel has been drilling them with the tactics and stuff, but uh, coming to the, the, the season's games between these two sides. So I bring it up because we're unbeaten against city in the last two games. We won in the FA cup semifinal. 1-0 from a Ziyech goal. And then we won most recently in the Premier League game 2-1 with the Alonso winner at the end. Uh, and the last time we won three in a row against City came between 2005 and 2009. So it's been a long time. Uh, and Tuchel is unbeaten against Pep since moving to Chelsea into in earlier this year. So just a Tuchel-Pep kind of a rivalry in, in games between them. Uh, what do you guys make of it? Does it matter that he's won the last two? Is it mind games? Uh, does it even come into consideration for either coach and squad? Or do they come out and say totally different game, one off, and we're here to win the trophy? So I'll start with you, Jackie. I see you shaking your head. Yeah, I don't think it matters. And there are a few reasons I don't think it matters. And I think Pep Guardiola actually summarized this really well when a journalist asked him, you know, Chelsea came off two losses recently. They're not in good form. And Pep said, different competition. Congratulations to come to the Champions League final. Basically saying he's not going to take Chelsea for granted. And Chelsea in the own heads now have to say, the season's over. We qualified for Champions League next season. So there's nothing else to do. Everything that's happened so far has to be put behind us. It's one night you can become an immortal Chelsea legend like Alex has talked about. World class for young guys like Reese James. Talk about the story of Mendy, a goalkeeper who has had a very, very interesting story. And I don't want to get too deep into it. But for anybody who doesn't know, look up Edu Mendy's story and see. It's incredible to see him in a Champions League final. It's one of those things where just based on this, the emotion, the occasion of it all, Rahul, I just don't think it matters. I think anybody can win on their day and anybody can win on that night. Yeah, and I think sort of like you were men uh, mentioning with, with those players going out and not leaving anything behind. I wonder, maybe there are two ways to think about the fact that we've already qualified for the Champions League. You could say, well, that would have been a little bit of extra motivation and made it an absolute must win. Um, but in a way, I feel like a Champions League final has enough pressure on it um, already. You don't need the added knowledge that if you don't win the game, you're out of the Champions League next season, which means $100 million-ish of, of lost revenue, um, tons of lost uh, viewer numbers, club notoriety, the owner's not going to be pleased, the fans are going to be unhappy. I think going in knowing you at least have that slight safety net. And as you said, Rahul, it's not like 
this this season would not be by any means a success just for getting top four. We're Chelsea. We don't celebrate top four. Um, but I think that bit of a safety net um, could just allow our guys a bit of mental space to go out and do what they do best and focus on it just as is, as a one-off game. They just have to win for the sake of the fact that it is a Champions League final, nothing more. Uh, nothing less. So I hope they all go out and put everything into it. And I, I do actually believe that they will, even though we've been disappointed by uh, the effort a few times in recent games. You know, Alex and Rahul, one interesting thing that comes with the monetary value of winning the Champions League, Aiden Hazard chose to join Chelsea after we won the Champions League in 2012. And I know both of you gentlemen have been talking, not just in the podcast, but on Instagram, on Twitter about the next big striker that's going to come to Chelsea or the next midfielder we need. I know, Rahul, you've talked about Kane Lukaku. Uh, Alex, you've mentioned Holland, and, and I think to attract these kind of players, it's, it's definitely prestigious to join the Champions League winners. I think Manchester City have done enough in the last few years that it's easy for them to attract talent. Not that Chelsea's a small club. Don't get my descriptions here wrong by any means, but having that additional win puts away that doubt of, hey, maybe Chelsea are not big in recent history like no they just won the champions league these guys mean business they just won 100 million they just invested in youth this is a club i can go to and be at for a few years and really make something happen that's an excellent point jackie because i've been listening to the pundits of listening to all the experts talk about kane and they say oh go to city you're guaranteed to win premier leagues you're guaranteed to win the trophies and i don't disagree with them but for chelsea to say we won the Champions League, Kane, we want you to come. It almost just puts you on an even playing field with a city to say, hmm, maybe if I do end up at Chelsea, I have an opportunity to win the Premier League with them, win Champions League with them versus, well, in the last few years, they won the Europa League. No disrespect to that because you win what's in front of you, but uh, it just kind of elevates you to a whole different level winning the Champions League. And if it's not Kane, it's Holland. I know Alex wants Holland to come through. And if that happens, then, you know, we have a player like Hazard who joined us, like you said, and Holland comes in the door and he says, I play for the Champions League winner. And that just, yeah. that just gives you a whole different feeling. So uh, absolutely, I agree with you guys that it's not just about winning it now. It's also about the future from winning this trophy. A um, couple of just facts and stats about Chelsea and Man City. Uh, the first ever meeting between these two guys in the European competition came in the 1970-1971 Cup Winners' Cup semi-final. And Jack, you may remember when we did the preview with Darius for the Real Madrid game, this was the same tournament, same year we beat Real Madrid in the final. So roles reversed in terms of who we play in the semifinals and final, but maybe some good signs for Chelsea. Uh, just continuing down those that path, uh, Man City are the ninth different team to reach a European Cup or Champions League final. Uh, and they are the only the one of the last 10 teams has won it in their first outing in the Champions League final. So us who were there in 2008 for the first time and didn't win it, I think that's why I was saying the nervousness and just getting over that line for the first time. Uh, could be a potential issue for them. But like you said, Man City are a team full of winners with a manager full of, that's won it all. So uh, it will definitely be a tough task for us. And on the final point, Pep Guardiola versus Chelsea in the Champions League, he has never won a game. So some positive signs with some things to remember going into this final. Uh, 
get your thoughts on that, both of you, real quick, and then we'll go into a starting eleven. Yeah, I think it's good point you bring up here for sure. I think a lot of things, again, like I said, I'm not a very superstitious guy, but some of the facts may add up here. I mean, definitely something about getting to your first final. And Rahul, we know Chelsea tried for years when Roman Abramovich first took over to try and make it to the final. And it looked like that was City's goal almost because they've won the league, won the FA Cup, won Carling Cups, bought incredible players. I mean, they won the league with 100 points in Cheerians. I mean, they did so many things that they achieved, but they always kind of, were eluded by this famous Champions League. So it's interesting to see that here now. So maybe all of these things add up and it puts a little bit of pressure, but I don't know where that's going to go from here. But on the flip side, one interesting thing that I've noticed is, and, and I don't want to be negative, but I'm trying to be fair to both City and Chelsea here, is Thomas Tuchel has now lost a couple of finals back-to-back. Now in his previous season where he was with PSG, he lost that final. And then, of course, in the FA Cup final, he loses that final as well. So... It's one of those things where if we're looking at it evenly, it's a little bit worrisome to compare some of these historical records or trends, for lack of a better word. But again, at at the risk of repeating myself, I think it's just what happens on the night. Alex, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I agree with you. I think certainly if Tuchel lost this final, there would be a narrative made about it, that he's a serial bottler that he can't handle the biggest stage, that he's not quite a top manager. Um, the media would make a meal of him losing this final. Um, but honestly, slightly unfairly, I think, because whereas, well, I mean, now what? He had back-to-back Champions League finals, both him and Thiago Silva, um, but they last year were playing the most terrifying team in Europe, an absolutely rampant Bayern Munich, yep. who slaughtered Chelsea um, among many other teams. So there's no real shame, even with uh, Neymar and Mbappe on your side, uh, in losing to a completely well-oiled machine that is Bayern Munich. And that fantastic, well-deserved Champions League victory for them. Um, And then this year, at the point in the season that we're at, um, Chelsea have been a little inconsistent, as we've said. We know we can turn up brilliantly. I was I was telling people on on my Instagram posts earlier today. The reason it's so scary uh, is that Chelsea could turn up playing like prime Barcelona, or they could turn up playing like Luton Town. No disrespect <laughs> to my Luton Town fans out there, but we don't know which one that's going to be. Um, and the the city fan I was talking to said he's also scared because he doesn't know which one we're going to be on Saturday. Um, but this Chelsea team could very well play a good game and still get beaten by a well-oiled Guardiola side. Um, they've been doing this, and, and this is why maybe we're talking about them having more transfer pull at this point, because Guardiola has a very established system with top players, and he's been achieving very high honors um, in the Premier League and other trophies as well. So I, I don't think there's really any shame if Chelsea put everything into this and get outplayed, um, but I'm definitely thinking i'm hoping that the opposite can happen yeah definitely fingers crossed and Raul, i know you wanted to move on to do a prediction but i wanted to bring up one more topic to discuss especially with alex on here these two teams have two american players that are going to make it to the champions league final for the first time ever one of them being of course zach stefan who's a secondary goalkeeper for manchester city behind ederson and then the other of course is mr christian pulisic himself so 
it's either way, it's going to be historic because an American is going to win the Champions League for the first time. Now, we want Pulisic to be that first one to take it. And I'm sure, Alex, you do as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, just because, I mean, Stefan, obviously, he's had, it, it's nice having him at another large team, but Pulisic has had a more crucial role, obviously, starting um, for a consistent portion of the year for Chelsea. And I think the fact that Pulisic symbolizes a lot of American hope in this new generation. Um, the fact that he's a talented but also key player to the Chelsea squad. There's nothing that I could see that would be sweeter uh, for ushering in sort of like the new generation of Chelsea's young stars, this new generation of U.S. national team young stars, um, than having Christian Pulisic, really the figurehead of Captain America, as he's called, um, Chelsea's number 10, playing in a final, um, scoring a goal, quadruple fingers crossed right here. I'm not jinxing it. I've got wood. I'll knock all over it. Um, but I think it would be extraordinarily symbolic and very, very happy uh, for, for U.S. men's national team fans everywhere to see Pulisic lift it. Absolutely. Nicely said. Rahul, do you want to take us through the predicted 11? Yeah, and thanks for that topic, Jackie. It, it was one that we definitely need to touch on. So, uh, yes, the starting 11, I think, kind of picks itself from the Chelsea side of things. I believe Mendy and Conte are back in training. So, uh, barring any issues at the last minute, I think those two make the squad. But let's take it from the goalkeeper. So, Mendy, I think, is our first choice and has to play. Uh, in defense, I'd like to find out from both of you, do we go back with Espelicueta as a right center back or Reese James continues to play there? Uh, and then we have Silver and Rudiger, I think, that are nailed on. So it's really that right center back position. So Aspie, Reese James, or Christensen for you, Jackie? I'd just go with Espelicueta just to stick with a traditional tried back three. And I think Alex said it fittingly a few episodes ago. He came in right after we won the last Champions League. It's almost fitting that he leads us out to this next Champions League. Again, I'm not trying to get at it myself. I also think he's slightly better at reading the game and slightly better defensively than Christensen or even slotting a Reese James back in there. I know the thinking behind putting Reese in the back three, but for me, Aspilicueta has to start. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think um, one interesting stat I saw today, we've always known Chelsea fans have um, – Maybe he doesn't get rated as much by by opposing uh, fans, but Aspilicueta is a very good uh, is a very defensively solid back when he's one v one with skillful players. We, I saw a stat today, I think, saying he was in the top three, I believe, in terms of uh, Premier League this season defenders with a high tackle percentage when players are dribbling at them. He always does seem to find a good way to not get absolutely burned and while sometimes pace perhaps leads to his downfall in those moments that he's a little shakier um, I don't think this is quite the same as these past few games we've had where uh, I think Tuchel's been wary of say Jamie Vardy getting in behind Aspie and thus Reese James providing a better option so I think especially against what we'll expect to be a sort of front three type uh, from City, I think Aspilicueta is a great option, and that frees up Reese James to do his business going forward. Yeah, I agree with you, and that's a good point, Alex, on the Reese James fees because we've seen um, Aspie come to right wing back, and I think that's affected us in the attacking third with him uh, putting in the 
crosses. It just doesn't match up to what Reese James brings. So I think those three at the back with uh, Reese James at right wing back, Conte, I believe, comes in. I have a question for you on who partners Conte. Uh, so I'll just get to Ch- Ben Chilwell, who's nailed on for left wing back. But let's talk about uh, who is Conte's partner in that midfield. Is it Jorginho? Is it Kovacic? Or do we get a surprise and is it one of those two and Mason Mount as he did in the Real Madrid game and drops him a little bit deeper? Uh, so, Jackie, your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's going to go with Kovacic. I think Kovacic brings that energy that we've talked about Mason Mount having, but he's a little more tried and tested. Not a little more. He's quite a bit more tried and tested in that position and offers a lot more defensively. I don't doubt that Mason Mount can do that if called upon, but why need to do that? You want to have the person that knows how to play that position. And another thing that he brings is similar to Kante. He brings those driving runs from deep. So I think between Kante and Kovacic, they understand the role really well. No disrespect to Jorginho. He's just a tad bit slow. If Kovacic can make this game, I would not be disappointed to have Jorginho in there, but I would go with Kovacic. Alex, your thoughts real quick? Yeah, I I have to agree there. I think I don't think Jorginho, I mean, obviously he's gotten a bit of heat for some of his latest performances, but I mean, that's overshadowing some of the masterclasses that he was dropping in the Champions League in our run to get to the final. Uh, I think people have to realize games are isolated incidents, as we've been saying. Any player can turn up at their best or their worst. Again, I, I agree I wouldn't be disappointed if we were forced to have Jorginho in the starting lineup because he can have a great game um when he when it's a good day for him so um i'm i'm confident whatever lineup goes out there i'm at least confident that they're all going to be putting in 100 percent effort uh and from that standpoint we know they all have quality yeah i i hear what you guys are saying i think he may end up going with Jorginho, and i only think that because kovacic and conte with the ability to go back and forward uh would leave us a little more exposed you know with Jorginho being there i think he just sits in front of the defense and provides that cover that we may uh, need against the city side. So like you said, either one would be a good option, but I think Jorginho just because of that ability to kind of sit and dictate the play coming to the front three. So I think Mason Mount is a nailed on uh, starter, but I have seen some tweets and some rumors saying he may get dropped. So let's talk about Mason Mount and then who fills the other two spots. And if it's not Mount, who else would you like to see? So Alex, uh, Mount for you, or are you thinking maybe Ziyech and Pulisic and Timo Werner or a different combination altogether? Yeah, I think it's a little crazy to suggest dropping Mount. I don't know if people are suggesting that thanks to a couple unusually quiet games lately, but it's so clear. I mean, just from the fact that first of all, he's player of the season. Second of all, he's one of our most hardworking players. He's right up there with Conte in terms of work rate, um, covering distance backwards, forwards. Um, I think it's, it's really not even a choice for me starting Mason Mount, just because none of our other attackers can put in that same defensive contribution and against a city type team where they, when they're in full flow, they're throwing everything at you. I think we may need that little bit of extra defensive cover at times. So Mason Mount is an easy pick for me. Um, I do have to stay loyal to Christian Pulisic, despite a few questionable performances lately. I think his his sort of dip in form has been drastically exaggerated by people looking for scapegoats. 
I mean, we saw, for example, in that recent match where people were uh, slandering him against Villa that we missed six big chances. He missed one of those six, but it wasn't his fault we lost. Um, he had the only assist in that match. It's, it's, a, it's a question of playing Polisic against an expansive attacking team as well. Um, and I think where, while sometimes all Chelsea players, Polisic included, struggle to break down low block teams, teams that sit in and have a negative approach, as we've seen, um, maybe Leicester playing somewhat defensively in, a, in those games and Arsenal uh, and Villa as well. All of those recent games we've struggled with have had some heavy defense. I think against an expansive team that comes to play like a Guardiola side, Pulisic can be devastating. And up top, oh, I don't even know. I'll let Jackie take that one and see if I agree because that is a tough call after all that's happened this season with really all four of our potential players. Look, what I'm going to say is I'm going to agree 100% with Alex here. There's no way Mason Mount's name does not make this team sheet. And if it doesn't make this team sheet for the starting 11, I don't know what's wrong with football, guys. That guy has been incredible. And and I'm one of the guys I've said on this podcast, Rob, I've been very honest with you. I wasn't Mason's biggest fan when the season started in 2019. I thought he was just a young guy coming out of Derby and maybe shouldn't get to start every single game. But match after match, performance after performance, he has won me over as he has with many, many other fans. So Mason all day has to start this game. Alex is loyal to Pulisic, as am I. I think Pulisic brings that dynamic pace, trickery, and he can score and assist any given point. So for me, I think Pulisic is the right player to start that game. I think the the points that Alex have made are excellent. Man City are very free-flowing and expansive. There's a lot of room for Pulisic to run at. And don't forget back in Project Restart, where he tore Manchester City apart with just one run and finished fantastically. Maybe that's not going to happen. Maybe it will. But having that that space and that pace from him, I think, is a match made in heaven. Now, the final position up there, and you guys are going to question me, I think Timo Warner is going to get this spot. And I think Timo Warner needs to get this spot for the exact same reasons that we've discussed with Pulisic. He can use his pace to get in behind. As long as this guy can stay on side, <laughs> there, is, there is a match made in heaven going to happen. <laughs> I'm not even going to question you on that. That was my instinct, but I was going to let you, I was going to let you present that uh, <laughs> opinion, but I'm, I'm a fan of Timo Werner and especially in front of fans. It looks like he's got great motivation. They were, he was quoted saying they never really sing like supportive songs about players. I think he had a song sung about him, but it was uh, intentionally degrading by opposition fans. So he said he loved the support of having Chelsea fans singing his name. He's clearly eager to impress and, I'm sure he knows more than anybody that a Champions League final goal um, or knock on wood yet again, winning the Champions League for Chelsea with a a really, really impressive performance that would turn his so-called flop of a season, which isn't actually that bad of a season statistically into almost instant cult hero slash uh, future legend status, perhaps. Um, for his new club in his very first year here. So that could be massive for him. What do you think, Rahul? I agree with you guys. I think Mount has to play because he can drop deeper when we need to. He can help the attack. And then the two guys you mentioned with the pace, uh, I think will be the team setting deeper and defending. So having those two as the outlets would obviously be very, very helpful. So 
Uh, I agree with you two on that one. And I think like you guys were saying, we struggled against teams that sit deep, but Man City aren't going to do that unless Pep Guardiola overthinks it and goes, let's just sit deep and hit them on the counter. Then that's a whole different game. Uh, But I don't think he does. And I think he'll come out and try to do it his way, which is attack and pass and tiki-taka, as they say it. So uh, just touching on City side, I think... They picked themselves too, pretty much. Ederson and Goal, Walker, who will try to be there to counter our pace. Diaz, Stones, Cancelo, uh, Bernardo Silva, who I think is almost like our Mason Mount in terms of the energy and doing things for the team. Uh, uh, Rodri Gundogan, who's been just scoring for fun the last few months. Mares, which I think will be an interesting uh, battle against Rudiger. And then I think Kevin De Bruyne as the false nine and Phil Foden, the wonder boy. So um, if there's any disagreements from you guys about the city lineup, um, we can talk about it. But I think not trying to be a city expert, but I think that's really what they'll go with. So Jackie, any thoughts on that real quick? I think you've covered it pretty well. And to be honest with you, whoever they put out there is a very, very good player anyway. So I'm not going to be surprised if it changes a little bit here and there. I've had full praise for Phil Foden this season, especially in the last few months. So exciting to see another young English prospect come through. I find it so interesting. And one of the questions you had asked about Aspilicueta early on is it's probably going to get help answered here. When they play with a false nine, it's actually very good to have Aspilicueta there to read the game. We don't necessarily need that pace at this point in time, but someone who can understand where these players are moving. So again, a fantastic city squad, but I think we can match them. I agree. Uh, so there's only one thing left to do, which is talk about score predictions. And I'll get your predictions and then I'll really uh, reread some of the predictions that we got from our followers on Instagram. Uh, and there's some interesting ones on here. So let's start with you, Jackie. Uh, tough to call, tough to predict, but I know you're going to go with the Chelsea win. So what's the score and how's it going to go down? going to be 1-1 in the first 90 minutes. We're going to go to extra time, and we're going to pinch it towards the end. So 2-1 on the night. So you're going to make us go through that nervous energy for more than 90 minutes. All right. <laughs> Alex, your thoughts? Oh, here we go. So instinctively, I would go with the Christian Pulisic triple hat trick. Now, dream, dreamland <laughs> aside, dreamland aside, I think we will hopefully see at least one counterattack goal in 90 minutes by Chelsea. Um, That could be Timo Werner scoring or Christian Pulisic scoring, or um, perhaps if he ends up starting over one of those two players, uh, ZX scoring on a counter, as we've seen him do against Man City before. Um, I believe it was in the FA Cup semi. Um, And he's done that as well on the Champions League. So uh, I think... I think we'll score at least one within 90 minutes. I, I do believe we can keep a clean sheet against City as we have. Um, I know that FA Cup semifinal is an example of that, and it's a different game. So our players could turn up and not quite put in the same level of performance. I know they weren't maybe playing their very strongest lineup as all the City fans were rushing to remind us after that victory. Um, but I'm going to go with a one I'm going to agree with Jackie in that it's going to be a 1-1 because I think City putting us under constant Guardiola-type pressure for 90 minutes will make us cave at some point. Um, But I feel like we're either going to win it 2-1 in normal time or if we don't get the winner in normal time, it's going all the way to penalties. And I want 
I want either Christian Pulisic or Timo Werner to score the winning penalty. That is my dream, dream scenario. Um, you know, let's see if it happens. You guys have some very nervous dreams and, and scenarios going down here. Uh, so 2-1 for you, Alex, too. And I have a lot of 2-1 score lines here from a bunch of people. So uh, one of them says, who is Joe M23,000, he says 2-1 Chelsea with one Werner goal ruled out as offsides. So, <laughs> Jackie, you were saying if he stays onside, uh, I believe our one of the followers thinks he will be offside at some point, but he will be... And we'll get a goal, but it will be ruled offside. That's uh, the same. Uh, one of one of my followers commented, Polisic double and Werner five goals. Mark my words. And someone replied, you forgot the disallowed after five <laughs> goals. And so all I'm going to hope is, is that one of them does not get robbed by VAR. Funny. Um, I have a couple for 3-2 to Chelsea. So that should be an exciting game. I have a 1-0 to Chelsea. So... Tight games here. Uh, and then I have one here that says Kepa to win us the Champions League by saving the fourth penalty. So the, this person's expecting the penalty shootout and Kepa of all people to turn up and save the day, which will be quite a sight to see, especially after that Carabao Cup final. Um, and then MS4070084 says 3-1 to Chelsea. So a lot more comfortable. I'm going to go for a 1-0 to Chelsea. I think we can hopefully keep them out once again. And it will be nervous, like what you guys were saying, but it should be a win. And we will be celebrating together at that point. And if not, then we will be um, wiping each other's tears, but at least we'll be together. So I'm looking forward to it, guys. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this up um, from you, Alex, first? And one final thought. So for those who watched the Europa League today, hear me out. Added time, tied going into extra time, 120th minute, Mendy goes down with another rib injury. Who do we sub on? Kepa Ariza Balaga. This was inspired by that last one. 10 consecutive penalties scored by each team. Kepa steps up and Panenka's the winning penalty. Now, to add insult to injury, he Panenka's the winning penalty over Sergio Aguero, who was a surprise inclusion in the City goal, having City had all of their goalkeepers injured and subbed out successively. So in the exact way that Sergio Aguero failed to score against Chelsea, Kepa embarrasses him, slots it home, and wins us the Champions League final and forever becomes a Chelsea hero. That is a very wild scenario. And at that point, I think it's, I wouldn't even know what to say. <laughs> But if you made it this far listening to the episode, uh, please do comment and respond to this wild scenario from Alex because we'd love to hear your thoughts. And Jackie, let's start with you real quick. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that, to be honest with you here. That was brilliant. I mean, if that, that happens, I'll be biting my nails You're pulling my hair out, jumping up and down, screaming. And look, I'm going to do that all anyway, regardless of how this plays out. Look, I'm excited. I'm nervous. But we've said this many times before. It's been a long time. Rahul, you and I have had some great memories over nine years since we've last been in the Champions League. We now get to include Alex in some of these memories. So I just want to have a good time with you guys. And hopefully we'll be celebrating a win on Saturday. I believe it. I believe it, too. 
and we've got to believe it. So that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. And if you've heard the wild scenario from Alex, please do comment and respond and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and we will be back later this week or early next week to do the review for the Champions League final. And then we have a very special season review coming and we may have a special guest on as well so please subscribe like and and tune in but until then stay safe and up the chels